Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, 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 it is hump day officially. I'm your host for today's show. Buckle up. It's just Char Jocelle. Okay, I'm rolling solo. Hashtag solo Char. I'm so excited to be here today. Energy's through the roof. And I got to tell you all why. June 15th means a lot to me. And no, it's not because it's mid-month and rent is due in two weeks. It means a lot to me because today marks eight years since I've been in L.A. That's right. Eight years in Angelino. So... I don't know. I mean, if you're driving, honk your horn for me. Love that. Um, Coming up in today's show, though, you want to stick around because I'm giving away Demi Lovato ticks. Okay, Demi will be here in September. And I got I got the tea on how to get those tickets. Also, shrinkflation. What is it? And how are we seeing it in restaurants? Now, I talked about this last time, how we were seeing it in toothpastes and Doritos, but now it's showing up at the restaurants. But let's get into what's in the news for the day. The feds are hiking interest rates by three quarters of a percentage in the boldest move since 1994. Now, listen, today, Federal Reserve Chair Jerome H. Powell announced that the Federal Reserve would raise interest rates by three quarters of a percentage point. It is the largest rate hike since 1994, and it will affect millions of American businesses and households, pushing up the costs of borrowing for homes, cars, and other loans in order to force a slowdown in the economy. Let's take a listen to the clip. We at the Fed understand the hardship that high inflation is causing. We're strongly committed to bringing inflation back down, and we're moving expeditiously to do so. We have both the tools we need and the resolve that it will take to restore price stability on behalf of American families and businesses. The economy and the country have been through a lot over the past two and a half years and have proved resilient. It is essential that we bring inflation down if we are to have a sustained period of strong labor market conditions that benefit all. From the standpoint of our congressional mandate to promote maximum employment and price stability, the current picture is plain to see. The labor market is extremely tight, and inflation is much too high. Oh, I got to say, I'm so nervous because that R word is floating around and that R word is recession. I don't know what I'm going to do, you all. But you know what? Let's just keep our eye on the prize and move forward, hoping that that doesn't happen. Also in the news, Biden administration is shipping 44,000 pounds of Nestle formula. Now, it was announced today that the Biden administration is facilitating an additional shipment of infant formula on Thursday, transporting specifically from Switzerland to the United States through ongoing 
Operation Fly Formula efforts as the federal government continues to work to address the shortage. Now, the shipment will include more than 44,000 pounds of Nestle Health Science Alphamino and Alphamino Junior Specialty Formula. That supply will be available primarily through a distribution pipeline serving hospitals, home health companies, and WIC programs across the United States. And finally, United States toddlers could soon be vaccinated against COVID. That's right. Vaccine advisors at the FDA are meeting today to discuss extending the emergency use authorization of Moderna and Pfizer shots to those who are six months and older. This comes after the 22 members of the Agency Advisory Committee voted unanimously to authorize Moderna's shot for those 6 to 17. Both companies have reported positive trial results when using their vaccines with younger children. We'll be speaking to a health policy reporter this hour for more on that. Now, let's get into my favorite segment, the Tea Report. (laughs) Now, I don't know if I told you all this earlier, if you checked my Twitter, but last night I did stay up. I started watching at 11.30 the Jennifer Lopez documentary on Netflix. Oh my gosh, I enjoyed it so much, you all. So, so much. But, you know, there are some headlines that are out and they're being misconstrued, in my opinion. So let's let's take a listen at this. Jennifer Lopez was not happy to be sharing the stage with Shakira during the Super Bowl halftime show of 2020, but not because of any sort of rift. I think that's so important in context to this story. But she didn't feel that the NFL, she didn't like that the NFL forced two Latina superstars to have to split the performance in a condensed amount of time. Jennifer Lopez just wasn't feeling it. And in the new Netflix documentary, Halftime, it chronicles Lopez's preparation for her February 2020 performance at the Hard Rock Stadium in the Miami Gardens during halftime of the Super Bowl. Now, what I love about this story is I totally agree with Jennifer Lopez. I Jennifer deserved a full 13 minutes. Let's do either or NFL. You didn't have to split it down the middle. Or as Jennifer does reference in the story, they could have maybe given 20 minutes for halftime. I don't know. Do you all think that's too long for a halftime, a 20-minute halftime show? Not quite sure. Nevertheless, you want to stick around because coming up next hour, I'm talking Dance Moms. There's still Dance Moms drama going on with Abby Lee Miller, whether you, you know, want to believe it or not. Also coming up, I chat with health policy reporter from The Washington Post to address some of the speculation surrounding children and the COVID vaccine. More on that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. With so much conversation and concern around children and the COVID vaccine, it, it can get a bit confusing. And luckily, expert advisors of the Food and Drug Administration are meeting today to review scientific evidence on COVID vaccines and young children. Here to break more of this down with me is health policy reporter Yasmin Abu Talib. Did I say that right, Yasmin? <laughs> You did. You did. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks for joining me today. I'm flying solo today. Thanks so much for joining me. So I want to know why has vaccines for children, why has this taken so long? And also why are parents hesitant to have it administered? Those are both great questions. And I think hit on two of the biggest challenges with this vaccine. The reason it took so long is 
Traditionally, vaccines in young kids are studied last. So you want to make sure that vaccines and drugs are safe and effective in adults. And you basically move down stepwise as you test it. So you, you test it in adults. And then the next group was that 12 to 17 age group, then the 5 to 11, and then the kids six months to five years old. So they were last in line in terms of being studied. And then the other thing that added to this was there were some delays with these clinical trials as you know they were trying to figure out what, what dose to give children, how many doses. So there had been a couple months of delays due to that as well. Ah, I understand. So we're the sacrificial lambs because the children are the future. So we got to keep them around. So with so much uh, research going into this, what did researchers find? So the, the FDA advisory committee today voted unanimously on both Moderna and Pfizer's vaccine for kids under five that the benefits outweigh the risks and that the vaccines are the data shows the vaccines are safe and effective. So the expectation is the FDA will formally authorize these vaccines um, around Friday later this week. Uh, the CDC advisory committee needs to sign off on it. And if all of that goes according to plan, parents should be able to start getting their kids vaccinated early next week. Okay, and I remember like at one point we were seeing different headlines from Delta to Omicron of this thing kind of mutating. Will we see uh, that slowing down? Will we see a decline in that once children are vaccinated? That's a great question. I mean, one of the challenges with this virus generally and in particular with these vaccine studies is that because the virus has mutated so quickly, the vaccines were initially being studied against uh, the Delta strain. And then, of course, we had Omicron, which is a, a very different strain. And that was also part of the delay is they wanted to see if these vaccines were still effective against Omicron. So, I mean, as we can see with kids and adults and other age groups, people who are vaccinated do still get infected, but they tend to do much better if they're vaccinated and boosted than if they're unvaccinated or if they're not boosted. So this might not prevent kids from getting infected necessarily, but it does lower the risk that uh, they will have a serious illness or need to go to the hospital if they do get COVID. Mm. I remember when vaccines first came about, you know, people were talking about whether they had the Johnson Johnson, the Pfizer or the Moderna. Even some some people on social media, you know, were going by, you know, Pfizer, Poppy, Moderna, Mommy, you know, little fun names, I guess, to incentivize everyone to get vaccinated. Now, when it comes to children, would there be a difference? Because with adults, there wasn't um, a lot of, I guess, documented side effects that differed between the two vaccines. So what would it matter with children whether or not they got Pfizer or Moderna? It's, it's a great question. And we have asked experts that question. And they're saying so far, there probably isn't enough data to strongly recommend one over the other that people should get whichever one is available to them. Moderna's vaccine is two doses and Pfizer's vaccine is three doses. So some people might find the two doses easier. Their kids will be fully vaccinated faster. Um, Pfizer seemed to be a little bit more effective against Omicron in clinical trials. But I just want to caveat that by saying there were so few cases in children that there just hasn't been quite enough data yet to to be able to state definitively that one is is much Mm. better than the other. So once kids do get vaccinated, will we then all be on one accord as it pertains to like getting our seasonal boosters for COVID? You know, I think the the jury's still out on that. So right now, Moderna and Pfizer are both studying next generation boosters. And they're basically booster shots that have uh, both the original COVID strain and Omicron in the hope that this will be more effective against Omicron. Because, of course, the vaccines prevent severe illness. Um, and death, but, uh, you know, aren't preventing infection. And I think the the hope is that maybe these vaccines, these boosters could be 
more effective and also preventing infection. We just don't know yet. Um, and so I think in terms of the booster schedule, we haven't quite figured out because Biden administration officials and scientists have said, you know, the, the vaccines that we have now are not a long-term solution. We can't just have people getting boosted every few months for the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. So I think there's still a lot of science and a lot of data um, and studying that needs to be done before we figure out what our future with COVID vaccines looks like. Wow. So much information. And finally, we know that people within the FDA are meeting, well, senior advisors are meeting um, within the FDA. When would kids be able to get vaccinated, do you think? So the the advisors met today and they voted unanimously on both the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines to recommend that the FDA go ahead and authorize these. So if the FDA does that as expected at the end of this week, likely on Friday, and the CDC advisory committee signs off on these vaccines, which could happen on Saturday, uh, these vaccines could be available for young kids early next week. Oh, wow. That's so soon. Wow. Yeah, it's right around the corner. Wow, wow, wow. Well, Yasmeen, I want to thank you for joining me today. Again, I'm, I'm in conversation with Yasmeen Abu Talib. Am I? Yeah, yeah. Ab, Abu yes, Talib. Right. Yes, thank you. Who's a health policy <laughs> reporter. Uh, coming up next, have you noticed that your burrito bowl is getting smaller or maybe fewer fries are in your order? Why is that? I'm going to be breaking that down coming up after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. United States consumers like you and I are waging and fighting a nasty war versus inflation right now. Oh, my gosh, it's so terrible out there. Now, yesterday's show, I mentioned that I went to the grocery store and all I bought was chips, cold brew, lemonade, and things to make salads, and my bill was $143. And Cheerios were knocking on 7 bucks. Yes, a box of Cheerios was knocking on 7 bucks. I could not believe it. But we did segments earlier about how toothpaste is shrinking and how Doritos is taking maybe seven chips out of the bag. Now it's hitting restaurants. Um, There is this restaurant in New York. It's called At Noir, and it's in the Chelsea neighborhood. And, for example, Maine lobster tails will still be $38, but they are only four ounces instead of five. While the $24 appetizer of vegan Goza dumplings now consists of an order of five instead of six. I have to mention, I went to Katine for a friend's birthday party on Friday, and everything was so tiny but so expensive it was a group of us and i ended up paying a hundred and it was a hundred and ten dollars per person i should mention and i'm only laughing because i definitely talked to the waitress about this and i said what is going on with these sizes with these portion sizes and she told me that the chef specifically is downsizing i mean you know because of inflation but also they were trying to discourage people from getting appetizers as meals long gone are the days of the applebees and the chilies you all we're we're eating and big time in Hollywood. Now, aside from that, there's an estimated 74% of consumers who expect who are expecting restaurants to maintain margins by shrinking portion sizes, and there are 1500 American consumers that are concerned about what that will look like. Now, there this was according to a survey that was done Uh, Yeah, a survey that was done. Sorry, you all. I had some issues with my laptop. A survey that was recently completed, according to restaurantbusinessonline.com. Yeah, so like I said, I'm very, very concerned about this. And it does not seem like it'll be slowing down anytime soon or that it'll be hitting a wall. And we have to come up with something. I don't know what that what that's going to going to look like, but we can't 
keep punching our wallets at the grocery store and at restaurants. So let me know what you all think about that. Tweet us at LGT Show because I want to know what you all think about the the inflation and or the shrinkflation rather at these restaurants. Now's your chance to win Demi Lovato tickets. Are you listening? Pull on up to the phone. I'm going to give you a, a second to pull on up to the speaker so you know what to do. Now, Channel Q has your chance to see Demi Lovato on September 28th at LA's YouTube Theater. Call right now, 833-772-2557. Again, that's 833-772-2557 for your chance to see them on their Royal and the Serpent Tour. We'll have your chance to win all week long, but call now, 833-772-2557 for your chance to win. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Sharjah Self, for today. And I'm flying solo and I'm feeling really good, really good, y'all, because today is my L.A. anniversary. That's right. I have been an Angelino for eight years. So if you're driving, give me a little toot, 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 toot on your horn so I can hear it up here at the studio, hopefully. <laughs> but let's get into what's going on this hour. Oh, my gosh, you all. There's this terrible story that's hitting the news of a woman who was assaulted, sexually assaulted at 16, gave birth to the child and now is being forced to give up her child to her attacker and also pay child support. I know it sounds bizarre, but you want to stick around because I'll be speaking to an attorney this hour to figure out how this is possible and what effects it may have on the psyche. Then we also have evictions, more and more conversations as eviction about evictions as inflation rises. So stick around for that coming up later this hour. Now let's get into these headlines. 90s kids everywhere. If you're like me, a 90s kid, we're holding a funeral today for Microsoft Internet Explorer. That's right. Microsoft Internet Explorer is officially retired as of today and Microsoft Edge will be taking its place. Now, the browser launched back in 2015 and it's meant to be faster and more secure. This is Edge that I'm talking about. Edge will have an Internet Explorer mode so that users who have a little bit of nostalgia will still be able to access those old IE based websites. I can't believe that Internet Explorer is gone. It's the end of an era. That's like an OG. Oh, my gosh. That's, that just takes me back to first even learning what a search engine was and in school and all that fun stuff. Also, Chicago Governor J.B. Pritzker signed House Bill 4430 and House Bill 5549 into law today, removing barriers to access for HIV and AIDS care and prevention. HB 4430 allows pharmacists to dispense both pre- and post-exposure prophylaxis drugs without a prior referral from a doctor. HB 5549 ensures funding from the African-American HIV AIDS Response Fund, which will uh, support research centers and resources, resources hubs led by representative members of the community. Now, also, Governor Pritzker said, if we want to end the HIV AIDS epidemic in our state by 2030, then we have to make preventative care like PrEP and PEP accessible to all Illinoisians. This means a lot to me. You all know I'm a Chicago native, and I'm glad that, you know, Governor Pritzker is taking steps to make things happy, healthy, and safe for everyone in Illinois. Also, bomb-sniffing dogs were called in at a home at the state senator. This is for Scott Weiner over the weekend after a message claiming, quote, we placed bombs in his office and his house was sent to staff. Now, this all happened because the San Francisco state legislator who authored several bills to protect the trans community 
told uh, the the Chronicle that it comes in waves on a normal slow week. You know, it's three to five death threats. And if, for those of you who don't know, Governor, excuse me, Senator Weiner just recently came out and spoke out about the Proud Boys and these, you know, neo-Nazis, which are attacking a lot of Pride events. Take a listen to this clip. This escalating rhetoric by politicians, by right-wing activists, it, it, it has a consequence. Words have consequences. And so we're now seeing, uh, I mean, uh, the, I, I get death threats all the time and they've been escalating. Now, no bombs were found, thankfully, and the San Francisco police released a statement Sunday evening that the threat remains an open and active investigation. Things are getting wilder and wilder in this country. Oh, my goodness. But let's get to some lighter news. Let's go into the T-Report. So before I tell you all the T-Report, tell me if you recognize this voice. Hit it. Where is she going? I don't know where she's going. Because of the vultures in this room that no, are killing us to go like no, this. Abby. No, Abby. And you know what? Have you to, know who Abby. creates she the does. vultures? It's you. Because you try to turn all of these kids against their friends. And that little girl's mortified all the time. But you don't care. How about being a role model? I have heard you say Woo. to her, to that little nine-year-old girl, no one would be happy for you. Yeah, that's that's an angry mom going off on Abby Lee Miller. You all remember the show Dance Moms that gave us dancers like Maddie Ziegler and, yes, JoJo Siwa. Well, Maddie Ziegler is opening up about her relationship with the former Dance Moms instructor, Abby Lee Miller. And in a recent interview with Cosmopolitan, the 19-year-old actress reveals that she has not spoken to the disgraced dance coach since she left the show and Miller's Dance Company back in 2016. Ziegler says, I feel at peace. Definitely. I think that's a bit shady. Ziegler, who was also Miller's star dancer and her little sister Mackenzie, left the show season six, a decision that Ziegler said made her feel guilty at first. She was distraught for the longest time. We felt so guilty. That's what uh, Maddie also says. But she also goes on to give Abby her flowers. She says that she trained me. She helped me. But also, I knew I would be okay without her. And I was sick of being in a toxic environment. I was like, this is not for me. I can't do this. And I haven't spoken to her since. Ziegler adds that her time on the show was great until competition and environment became so much that she couldn't handle it. So... I just, I grew up watching, well, I shouldn't say I grew up because this came out when I was an adult, but I would tune into Dance Moms occasionally. What about you, Producer Shelby? Did you ever watch uh, Dance Moms at all? No, actually. I was a dancer myself, um, so a lot of people would ask me, oh, did you watch Dance Moms? But I thought it was really icky feeling. It felt very like Toddlers and Tiaras, so I was was not about it. Well, that's how I learned about flippers with Toddlers Mm -hmm. and Tiaras. Google that. Well, that's the Tea Report for this hour. Up next, this shocking and upsetting story of a woman who is being forced to give up her child to the man who sexually assaulted her. It is bizarre. We have an attorney joining us to talk about it. Stick around. That's coming up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. And one of the most bizarre cases that I venture to say that I've ever seen. Um, let me tell you all about this. Okay, so check this out. This is going down in Louisiana. So a judge has awarded full custody to a woman's sexual abuser and forced the woman to pay child support. Now, I know our justice system is worthy of critique. Trust me. If anyone knows, I do. Joining me to help me unpack some of the nuances of this case and how something like this could even come to be is attorney Paula Canny. Hi, Paula. Welcome to the show. 
Hi, Char. Thank you. I'm with you. This is insane. This I is am... horrible. Okay, so let me give a quick uh, bullet point backstory to our listeners. So, okay. two decades ago, uh, this 32-year-old woman, when she was about 16, she was at a bar and she got a ride home or where she thought was going home uh, by a man mm-hmm. that was twice her age. And instead mm-hmm. of taking her home, he took her to his home and then sexually assaulted her on the couch. As a result of that, there was a daughter that was born. And when the daughter was around five years old, the guy, I guess, got wind because I should mention he's powerful. He owns a production company in Louisiana. He got Mm -hmm. wind of the daughter and, you know, took the woman to court and she has to pay child support. Okay, so, okay, Paula, please tell me how something like this could come to be. How can a judge? Well, this shouldn't. This is so messed up. It shouldn't be like this. So uh, you did a great job on the bullet points of the of the how it came to be. But why this is so distorted is there's a couple reasons. One, the woman, Krista Albaces, like seven years ago, made a police report. Now, granted, the uh, incident happened when she was 16. And I think that was like 2004 mm-hmm. under Louisiana law. OK, the age of sex consent is 17. So he's guilty of what they call carnal knowledge of a juvenile statutory rape. And oh, so, so it's, it's rape either way. It's rape either way, because under Louisiana law, if you have sex with some a woman, a girl under the age of 17, it's a felony given their age difference. But like like if it's a 17, a 16 year old girl and an 18 a misdemeanor. But when the 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 perpetrator is more than four years older than the juvenile, it's a felony punishable up to 10 years imprisonment with or without with or without hard labor. Mm. So it's insane because the minute that he should have brought her, you know, tried to bring her to court or brought her to court for, you know, custody, it's not rocket science. It's just mathematics by the date of birth of the child mm-hmm. because he made her take a DNA test to prove it's, you know, his kid. You just do the math. It's obvious that this kid was under the age of 17. And right then, the authorities should have stepped in and said, dude, you're guilty of carnal knowledge of a juvenile and should have been prosecuted. But not only does he own a production company, his client is that local police agency. Mm. So that's messed up. So it's just super corrupt and super messed up. And I wish that Krista Appleseth would have gotten a good lawyer 16 years ago or, you know, because just like even with like Britney Spears, who had a lawyer until Mm -hmm. she got a really good lawyer, Mm -hmm. she, you know, conserved. It took a really good lawyer to unconserve her. And it's going to take a really good lawyer to square this away. But John Barnes should be a convicted felon and sex registrant. And the other thing that can't be lost on us Mm -hmm. is that there's this like 15 year old kid all messed up in the head because she has to know this now she is in the cut karen custody of 
a sexual assaulter father? That's crazy. Yeah, and I noticed that, you know, the more I read, you know, Krista went on to say that this guy, the perpetrator, is well-connected and that he's threatened her multiple times, saying that he has connections to the justice system. So that speaks to what you just spoke to about how people on the police force are his clients. How can, is there a way to navigate around this? Because let me tell you, we've all heard <laughs> stories. I've seen the Lifetime movie about never date, you know, the police chief and Are there safe ways to navigate around this and still be protected? No, I mean, well, yes, no. The best, even though I'm a lawyer, you know, I do say the best safeguard is a really good lawyer. I mean, I feel so bad for this girl. At 16, here she is, victimized, a rape victim, pregnant, and didn't really know how to do it or go about it because she said the reason she didn't make a police report right away is because she was and she didn't know what to do. So, you know, it's whether you want to say it's a paternalistic criminal justice system, but it's just so sexist. It's so awful. It really is the fact fact that he is not on a registry or or locked up. I I just I cannot wrap my brain around this. This is so bizarre. But you know what? Attorney Paula Canny, I want to thank you for joining me for this segment. I'm sure as things develop, we may give you a ring again. So stand by the phone. okay? thank you, Char. (laughs) I sure will. And I hope somebody I hope she finds a good lawyer to get her out of this mess and to get her daughter away from this perpetrator. Oh, my gosh. I forgot. it. I, I didn't even think about the. The social yeah. social aspects of what something like right. that is. Uh, hopefully, as this I gains mean, national everybody. attention, you know she'll she'll get the help that she needs. Someone will step up to the plate. But thank you again for joining me. Well, you're me. helping doing that. Okay, bye, Shar. Thanks. Have a great day. Bye, Paula. Coming up, evictions are at an all time low with financial assistance during COVID. But as federal assistance drains, what exactly is happening to renters? You want to keep it right here? I got more show for you coming up after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Nearly one million people are evicted in the United States each year, with eviction uh, being linked to all sorts of adverse consequences, including higher job loss, debt, suicide, and reduced credit access. The situation changed only when the pandemic hit and orders to stay at home grew louder and more urgent. Senior policy reporter Rachel Cohen is here to talk to us about this for a piece that she wrote for Vox. Hey, Rachel, how you doing? Hey, good. How are you? I am doing pretty well today. Thanks for asking. So, Rachel, you make a point that evictions are climbing again now that federal aid from the pandemic is drying up. What can be done to prevent this increase on a federal level? Well, um, I mean, I think absolutely uh, more federal aid would help to get back down to all the programs that, you know, were basically built from scratch at the start of the pandemic or, you know, as the pandemic went on um, that, you know, a, a really helpful way to sort of, mitigate the need to evict the tenant is to be able to pay the landlord at least some of the rent. Um, and that's a lot of what uh, the aid was able to do. Yeah. Is there, and I mean, even with respect to stimulus checks that were received and modifications, because right. I know in LA people started moving during the pandemic because, you know, the prices dipped so low with, with this expectancy for everybody to be back at work. Are they, 
are, are evictions increasing or decreasing or are we back to where we were pre-pandemic? Um, right now, they're definitely increasing in a lot of states. Um, we are uh, we are seeing that it can be hard to track evictions because the they're all handled you know, at these local court levels and the, mm-hmm. and the local courts have varying levels of like how easy it is to see some, some, some court systems have things digitized and it's really easy. Others you have to go to the court and, you know, it's, it can be just sort of data collection is just such a mess all over, which is something that, um, you know, Congress is, has sort of tasked HUD to look at recently. But we do know, you know, at least from the jurisdictions that researchers at the eviction lab track that um, evictions are definitely on the rise now. And, and it's it's bad because we, you know, people really worried about this eviction tsunami and the pandemic. And because of the federal interventions, we never, we didn't have it. I mean, if, there were still evictions, but they were lower than even pre-pandemic levels. And um, it's, it's like, it's just not something that now we can sort of let go back to what yeah. it was because it wasn't good before the pandemic. Yeah, if you're just tuning in, I'm in conversation with Rachel Cohen. Now, I'm noticing in in the article that you wrote, uh, before the pandemic, almost 8 million renters spent more than half of their incomes on housing. How can, have things been alleviated? Because I know that more jobs are being created, but I also, with the research that I've done, I've seen that unemployment hasn't really went up or down. So, you spoke to how this could kind of be circumvented yeah. or mitigated. What progress can we see moving forward? I mean, honestly, I think the government needs to get the inflation crisis under control because that's just eating into everybody's paycheck. Uh, and rent is usually the biggest part of, you know, yep. a paycheck. And so, you know, even even when employers do raise wages and, there, and you know, there have been there is more competition for hiring that is good for workers and wages, but it's like being eaten up by just these, the rising gas prices and right. And, you know, rising food prices. And um, we know like if you have families, families with children, um, they're, they're at higher risk of, of eviction, which makes sense because they have more people to, mm-hmm. you know, pay for everything for. Um, but it, it's like, usually if all of these things are happening, if you're not seeing an eviction, there's probably things happening behind the scenes. Like they're probably foregoing meals. They're probably, you know, foregoing, like maybe they're paying their rent, but they're skipping out on other bills and then acquire, accruing debt. And anyway, so it's, there's definitely a huge affordability crisis right now. And some of it we'll see, some of it we could see through higher evictions. Some of it we would see through people trying to either maybe get, pay their landlord, but then they're foregoing other things that they really need. Yeah. Oh, it's such a juggle always. But I want to thank you, senior always. policy reporter Rachel Cohen, for joining me for this segment. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much. All right. Now, you all want to stay right here because, listen, we all know that the queen of hot topics, Miss Wendy, how you doing? Williams has been missing from her show all season. But guess what? Things wrap up. The series finale of the Wendy Williams show is Friday. Find out whether or not she'll be in attendance. Keep it right here. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Oh, I love that song. Welcome back to the show, you all. It's Shar Jocelle holding it down solo. Top of the hour. I'm so excited because it's June 15th 
And this year marks eight years as Char as an Angelino. That's right. I've been in L.A. and a resident for the past eight years. So if you're behind the wheel, give me a little toot toot on your horn. I'd greatly appreciate it and hopefully can hear it from up here in the studio. Uh, what's going on this hour? I have Demi Lovato tickets. I have more to give away. Shout out to Andrew and shout out to Sergio, who won tickets earlier today. If you would like to get tickets, you want to stick around and keep listening for when to call in. Also, reality TV always gets called a guilty pleasure. But why does it have to be guilty? We're talking to Dr. James about alcohol consumption, as well as reality TV and a whole bunch of other things coming up next. So keep it here. Um, What's trending? Let's get into the headlines. Now, this is something that was so jarring to me. You all pull in and listen. So an an assistant police chief is getting awarded one point five million dollars. Okay, as a payout after hanging a Nazi symbol. Now, this is in Kent, Washington, which is in the Seattle area. And the officer, there was an officer walking by the assistant chief's office in 2020 when he spotted something strange on the door. It was insignia of a high ranking Nazi officer. Crazy, right? The officer reported it to the police chief, which led to city officials of Kent, Washington, to suspend the guy. The guy's name is Derek Camerzel, by the way. Um, he's a 27-year veteran in the police department. Imagine all of the harm and damage he's caused. Um, but they suspended him only for two weeks without pay, which I, I can't wrap my brain around that. Like he had Nazi paraphernalia hanging up. And you all suspend him without pay for two weeks. What in the slap on the wrist is going on? Nevertheless, some officials felt that the punishment was too soft and sought to push Camerzel out of the department entirely. Now, somehow in a twisted, this is one hell of a severance, pack, severance package, but in a twisted, I guess, twist of faith, Fate, the city has agreed to pay this man $1.52 million to make that separation happen. I still, like I said, maybe we need to call the attorney back. I don't know how things like this happen. It's so twisted. Moving on, the Biden administration is shipping 44,000 pounds of Nestle formula Thursday. The Biden administration is facilitating an additional shipment of infant formula on Thursday, transporting specialty formula from Switzerland to the United States through ongoing Operation Fly Formula efforts as the federal government continues to work to address the shortage. Now, the shipment will include more than 44,000 pounds of Nestle Health Services, Alphamino and Alphamino Junior Specialty Formula. That supply will be available primarily through a distribution pipeline serving hospitals, home health companies, and WIC programs around the U.S. And also, excuse me, a $16,000 typo. This story is crazy, too, you all. A gas station manager was fired in California after misplacing the decimal point. So this happened in Rancho Cordova, right? And what ended up happening, and this is according to ABC7, hundreds of drivers ended up getting the cheap gas because he misplaced the, the, several, uh, the, the decimal point for several hours before the mistake was discovered. And this cost the gas station, like I said, $16,000. Take a listen to this clip. Yeah, I looked at the numbers and I seen it was 69 cents a gallon. So, you know what I did? I hit that button and it started pumping and the dollar sign just stayed low. Turned into a, like a circus within a matter of minutes. I bet it did, because I know if I saw cheap gas, I would definitely be texting everybody here at Channel Q, all my friends and family, as to where it was. So the gas station is getting sued, and I'll keep you all updated on this uh, 
Well, the employee, the fired employee is worried that he's going to get sued. So I'll keep you all updated on that story. You want to stick around. And he also has to help repay a lot of the lost revenue, which I don't see how that's going to happen out of a gas station paycheck. Uh, But let's get into the tea report, shall we? The Wendy Williams Show. I'm in I'm in studio right now and I'm sipping from my Wendy mug because the Wendy Williams show is set to air its final episode on Friday after 13 seasons. It will officially come to an end. The daytime talk show has been airing all season without its host, Wendy Williams, who will not be present for the final episode, which will include a video montage celebrating her groundbreaking television run. You know, Wendy is one of the final titans in daytime TV. I think all that's left is Dr. Phil McGraw. Does Rachel Ray still have her show? I always ask that. I never know. Um, but the final episode of the uh, of the Wendy Williams show will air on Friday, June 17th. Like I said, with a video tribute uh, to the iconic host. And the series will come to an end after 13 successful seasons in syndication. That's what a spokesperson told Variety. Williams has been absent from her show all throughout the 2021-2022 season due to health-related issues. She suffers from Graves' disease, which is an autoimmune disorder. And she also has lymphedema. Now, without Williams in her purple chair, the show has been airing with a slew of guest hosts, including our very own A.J. Gibson of The Morning beat shout out to aj and panels including sherry shepherd as well who's hosting this final week and they're using sherry shepherd you know it's the final launching pad because her show premieres in the fall oh wendy it's the end of an era i'm i'm actually really sad as a fan of daytime tv you all listening know that i love the view i love tamron i love wendy the list goes on and on and on but up next stop hating on reality tv There's more to the genre than crying Kardashians, you all. Keep it right here. I'm talking about that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Oh, reality television, reality television. I have to say, you all, I am so excited because if you're like me, you'll be tuning in tonight to watch Chloe find out all about Tristan on the Kardashians. (laughs) I love reality TV and I got to tell you, I just recently came across an article on Mike.com and the, the writer of this is definitely on my side of this argument. Stop calling reality TV a guilty pleasure because it, it, it really isn't, right? Um, so for me, let's talk about me. Reality TV is definitely provides an escape. I'm a news girl. I'm, I'm watching the news. I, and then, you know, real life things. I enjoy escaping into a good episode of The Housewives or a good episode of The Kardashians. And I think that it's important that we have these caveats in order to deal with some of the doom and gloom and some of the gray clouds that sometimes comes with this lived human experience. Now, some people make the argument that reality TV is mindless. And, you know, I push back. And so does the writer of this article. I got to give them a shout out. Their name is Ian Kumamoto, who, like I said, wrote an article on Mike.com about the importance of reality TV. Because for so many Americans watching this so-called lowbrow, mindless programming is the type of content that doesn't further our intellect in any tangible way. This is what a lot of you all say. This is the argument. It's just part of the culture. But as, you know, we grow older, we see more things, especially with social media. We're seeing drama. All of the reality stars, they feel tangible. They feel within reach. They feel like our friends, which do you think that's dangerous, Producer Shelby? Gotta know. 
I do because I feel like there's this problem with like fandoms in particular to where they take these celebrities and hold them like to some account of like I don't know like things that personally affect those people that don't even know the celebrities so then the celebrities are out here like what do you want me to do about it like I'm living my life not for you and I feel like that on the like a mental health standpoint for the celebrities can be just like so terrible because they're already in the spotlight so now that they have all these people trying to like hold them accountable for things that don't necessarily matter I think it's super harmful to the celebrities well listen reality stars don't feel I guess when in comparison to traditional celebrities reality stars definitely feel accessible and you know what as you were talking about like toxic fandom you know what I thought about RuPaul's Drag Race yes (laughs) there's a lot of of racism allegedly Mm -hmm. going on with that uh fan base for whatever reason but you know the argument about reality tv rotting the brain is one that's so antiquated because it's so a part of the pop culture zeitgeist people have their preferences you either prefer scripted or you prefer unscripted i'm someone who used to work in unscripted tv mm-hmm. i worked at buna murray i was at project runway I, w- I worked on basketball wives and a few other shows and so i understand the nature of this beast so when it comes to just watching our favorite you know i guess b-list stars messy divorce in peace what do you have to say as far as the escapism angle with this producer shelby i think it's important to remember that there's multiple kinds of reality tv there's like competition reality yes. and there is drama reality and i'm less of a drama reality person because I don't like drama in my personal life. I don't like it in my friends and my family's <laughs> life. Like a lot of people feed on drama. I yeah. don't. It makes me like uncomfortable. Like it gives me secondhand like embarrassment and just like discomfort. So I'm more of a competition reality person. And I really like that because to me that's like the most escapist you can get because usually they put these contestants whether it's like in a kitchen or like yeah, in a on a runway yeah exactly they're like <laughs> confined like they you don't really see the outside world they're usually just in whatever that competition space is so i like that most competitions remove everything on the outside and you're just watching what's happening on the inside. I must say that we're the polar opposites because I prefer ensemble. Mm. Competition, uh, after a few seasons, I get tired of it. I didn't last long with American Idol. I didn't last long with Top Model. I didn't even last long with Drag Race because when there's challenges involved outside of the kitchen, because I can watch all those cooking shows on loop. Cooking and baking, that's me. But the other ones, uh, I prefer ensemble because I do also love the study of like different relationships and I like Mm. seeing different friendships and Mm -hmm. what what I would do in that scenario. Yes. But yes. So let us know at LGT Show, which side are you on? Do you think reality TV is a guilty pleasure that's still rotting our brain? Or are you like me, where it's just part of the pop culture zeitgeist? It's inescapable. And these people are all up and down our timelines. And we get invested in these storylines because I told you tonight... I'm going to be uh, in front of my TV watching Chloe and Tristan unfold on, on the Kardashians because I like the Kardashians. <laughs> but right now, you know what time it is. If you're near a speaker, pull on up real close because I got I got a treat for you. And that treat is Demi Lovato tickets. That's right. Demi Lovato will be here in Los Angeles on September 28th at L.A.'s YouTube Theater, which I must say, I saw Jasmine Sullivan at the YouTube Theater two months ago, and there's not a bad seat in the house. So you want, you're going to want to go to this. Call now at 833-772-2557. Again, 
That is 833-772-2557 for your chance to see Demi Lovato on their Royal and the Serpent Tour. Again, I'm going to give you that number because I need someone to talk to as well. Like, call in and check in on me, 833-772-2557, for all of your Demi needs. Now, keep it locked right here because coming up, Britney Spears has some some harsh words for her brother. That's coming up in the T-Report, so keep it right here. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Think you're okay just because you drink only on the weekends? Hmm. A new study is saying, think again. Oh, my gosh. I don't know what to think about this. Luckily, I have Dr. James on the line to help me flesh some of this out and talk about it. Hi, Dr. James. Welcome to the show. Hello, Sharjah. I'm holding it down solo today. I love it. Yes. And, you know, I always love talking to you. But Absolutely. Um, Same here. And this and this one is good, man. This one's going to scare a lot of people. Okay. So walk, walk me through exactly what the heck is going on. Because, you know, we there's so many conflicting stories that I feel like pop up every, you know, few months. I'm being told that red wine is good for my heart. Then they're saying that I shouldn't drink. What is this study uh, uh, saying about casual drinking? drinking social drinking you got it so and you 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 nail it perfectly there with social drinking so what what we've sort of you know known for a long time is that people who drink in excessive amounts have these things called alcohol related problems so those are like you're missing work you can't take care of your child you are you get injured you injure somebody else okay all these things you you have to go to the hospital because of your alcoholism okay these are alcohol related problems Well, we've always associated those alcohol-related problems with people who have excess amounts of drinking. So they drink like, you know, five to six beers or drinks a day, every day. We think of them as alcoholics, if you will. Well, what this study did was take a look at how we actually measure alcohol-related problems and binge drinking. Because if you think about it this way, so in the United States, it's generally considered uh, eight drinks a week for men, for like cisgender men, 
uh, six drinks a week for cisgender women is what the statistics Ooh. look at is is considered moderate drinking. So that is basically a drink a day, right? So let's say a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. And let me remind folks, a glass of wine is a four or five ounce pour, not an 11 ounce <laughs> pour like some of us used to do, right? So you're having a You know, addre- address ounce- me directly next time, okay, Dr. James? But go ahead. <laughs> right. I'll be like, you know, actually, Sharda, last pour of wine. So um, a glass of wine a night with dinner right? Mm-hmm. That is considered moderate drinking, right? At least by U.S. standards. And I say U.S. standards because the standards are different in different con- countries. So what happens, though, is what we've never really measured is people who will consume those eight drinks, like at one time within three or four hours on a Saturday night, mm. and then relate that binge to alcohol-related problems. And what we found out is really a little bit shocking because a lot of us, I include myself in this, do this. We won't drink all week long. And then on the weekends, we'll kind of get it, you know. Mm -hmm. And people who do this sort of binge drinking on the weekends kind of thing are five times more likely to experience those alcohol-related problems Mm -hmm. than people who do the one drink per day, even though the amount of total consumption is roughly the same. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I'm, I'm looking, I noticed that a study that was conducted by the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism talks about some of the differences that, you know, alcohol has on men and on women, which I didn't even know this was a thing. I just thought alcohol and people equals, you know, same results. Can you speak to some of that? What are some of the differences? Yeah, it's really interesting because, you know, the people who, who so alcohol affects all of us differently. Is, is the easiest way to think about it. And a lot of it has to do with the way that we metabolize alcohol and how it hits us. So women in this, again, these studies are generally only done in cisgender men, cisgender women, but mm-hmm. cisgender women tend to process alcohol a little bit faster than cisgender men. But sometimes the, the metabolic effects of alcohol can differ because of our body fat percentage mm-hmm. as well as our hydration status, right? So there's all, and there's all these other things that go into it, right? There's like this uh, enzyme called dehydrogenase uh, that breaks down alcohol. And, you know, men tend to have a larger quantity of that, which allows them to break it, break it down. But women tend to have a larger uh, percentage of body fat by weight. So they're hanging on to it longer, like all of these different things. Estrogen, Estrogen has water retention, that's why it's harder. To, yep. One of the reasons it, it sucks to lose weight or to try to lose weight. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very, very true. And alcohol, you know, you speak of estrogen, interestingly. Alcohol actually increases estrogen levels in everyone. Chronic alcoholism has actually been associated with a significant enough increase in estrogen that there's loss of body hair and muscle mass. Like it's Whoa. similar to if you were taking an estrogen uh, related like birth control pill yeah. and had too much estrogen in there. And, you know, cause it's, it's not regulated, right? So it's different than someone who's taking estrogen, um, you know, for, for like hormonal purposes yeah. or transitioning purposes or whatever. Right. But if you're, if you're drinking alcohol, it's like your body's just going to do whatever it can to try to rid this. Because let me remind everybody, all drinking is, is controlled poisoning of yourself. Wow. Now we make it fancy, right? We give people these degrees in wine and, you know, there's distilleries and it's a multi, multi multi-billion dollar business in the United States alone. 
But at the end of the day, even with these studies that are like a little bit of wine every night with dinner is probably good for your heart and probably good for your cholesterol. Like that's pretty well researched. At the end of the day, like just let me remind you that you're putting poison into your body. Yeah, I, that's why I just take the fish oil. I do have to say, I, I, I wonder because I know, listen, as a trans person on hormone replacement therapy, you know, with estrogen, it's always been emphasized to me from medical professionals to, you know, make sure you know your levels, Char, which I do because I only get my stuff through doctors, which I understand is a privilege because too much estrogen will then revert or convert, I should say, to testosterone. Does something like that happen in alcohol? Does that speak to why some people get to crying when they drink too much and some, some people turn into the Incredible Hulk? Or am I being too shallow? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, you're, you're, you're really nailing something there in terms of the, the hormonal impacts that alcohol can really have on us um, and, and have on how we're managing our hormones, particularly if you're someone who is sensitive to different hormone levels in your body. So some people, you know, you're, to use the, the uh, you know, Incredible Hulk uh, reference that you had there. Like there's a thing we talk about with roid rage, mm-hmm. right? So when people take a- extra supplemental testosterone, now roid rage is often, it's, it's gotten that it doesn't necessarily really happen, but it doesn't necessarily really happen in people whose testosterone levels and their supplements of testosterone have been measured over time, increased slowly, you know, adjusted for that individual. But if you're drinking on top of all of this, estrogen levels go up, testosterone levels follow, all of a sudden your hormone levels can be completely out of control and it can really be impacting, particularly if you're someone who's transitioning or who's on hormone therapy, you know, for longer periods of time. Like if your alcohol levels are all over the place, that can really impact your hormones for sure. Oh my goodness. Maybe that's why I got to crying at Everyday People last weekend when Donnell Jones, where I want to be, started playing. Oh my gosh. I was, I cried <laughs> at a day party. No, Dr. James, I had real tears flowing down my face. My friend said, oh my gosh, I was so embarrassed. I cried at a day party. But Dr. James, it's always such a delight to be in conversation with you. Thanks for calling into the show today. Absolutely. You as well. Enjoying listening, Char. All right. Talk soon. Coming up next, I know I just said it to you all, but listen, Brittany is going off on her brother and it has to do with her wedding. So stick around. We got more show for you. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Today is very special for me because it marks eight years of me being a Los Angeles resident. Wow. Woo, we've been through some ups and downs, y'all. We've been through some ups and downs. But let's get into what's going on this hour. We're talking about this crazy, like, this This is off kilter. There's an assault case, a sexual assault case that has been in the news. And we got new developments going on with that. And we're also talking COVID vaccines. So stick around, okay? That's coming up later on in the show. But let's get into what's trending The feds are hiking interest rates by three quarters of a percentage point in the boldest move since 1994. Now, earlier today, Federal Reserve Chair Jerome H. Powell announced that the feds would raise interest rates by three quarters of a percentage point. Let's take a listen to what he had to say. We at the Fed understand the hardship that high inflation is causing. We're strongly committed to bringing inflation back down and we're moving expeditiously to do so. We have both the tools we need and the resolve that it will take to restore price stability on behalf of American families and businesses. The economy and the country have been through a lot over the past two and a half years and have proved resilient. It is essential that we bring inflation down if we are to have a sustained period of strong labor market conditions that benefit all. 
Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of scared, you all. I'm kind of scared. But it's the largest rate hike since 1994, and it will affect millions of American businesses and households, pushing up the cost of borrowing for homes, cars, and other loans in order to force a slowdown in the economy. Also, for all my 90s babies out there, all my 90s kids, rest in peace to Microsoft's Internet Explorer. It officially retired today, and it will be replaced by Microsoft Edge, which is a browser that launched back in 2015 and is meant to be faster and more secure. Now, Microsoft Edge will have an Internet Explorer mode so that users are still able to access some of those old IE-based websites. I can't believe that. When I think Microsoft Internet Explorer, I think, I don't know, grade school? Like, I remember going, you know, checking the stocks in seventh grade. That was in computer science, not out of genuine interest. You all know me. Come on now. Last but not least, let's get into the tea report for this hour. It has everything to do with our queen, Brittany Jean Spears of Kentwood, Louisiana. And, you know, she claims her brother, Brian Spears, was never (laughs) invited to her wedding, despite reports saying otherwise. You all remember that Brittany just wed Sam Asgari, her husband, and they said Jamie Lynn wasn't invited. Her parents weren't invited, but her brother was. That's what was being reported. But Brittany says that's not the case. And she also told Brian that he can go F himself like Brittany's not holding back. Uh, She also said that she's having some drinks. This is in an Instagram caption because allegedly Brian prevented Brittany from drinking while she was still under her conservatorship. And when she worked in for her Vegas residency from 2013 to 2017, she didn't have a sip of alcohol. So now, you know what? I'm all for it. Brittany, live your best life. Congratulations on your nuptials. And, you know, I don't know what to say about the Spears family. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.